for Sober Chick podcast listeners, this is Heather, and I'm joined by Dana, Lisa, and Meredith. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Welcome everyone to our very first Four Sober Chicks podcast. I'm so excited to be here and to to finally kick this off. We've been working on this project, I don't know, three, four months now at this point. So this is really awesome to be here. And um, I have gotten to know each one of you and I could not be more excited to be doing this with each of you. I'm enamored by all of you as these incredible women that represent sobriety. We've all met in recovery, our recovery coaching course, um, and definitely admire each of your journeys and your uh, approach to sobriety and recovery. And so that is one of the reasons that I wanted to bring the four of us together to create this podcast. So today we're going to just talk about why we're here, why we want to do this. Um, So how about Dana, why don't you kick us off with why you want (laughs) to do a podcast? (laughs) You are going to pick on me first. (laughs) Well, you know, um, you're making us do it. But other than that, no, I'm kidding. Um, seriously, it, it, you hit it on the, the, the head with getting together with such a great group of women. Um, and your thought process around the podcast was such a brilliant one. And it just seemed so natural. And I wanted to be a part of that. I was thinking with my own coaching business to start a podcast. I even, you know, have my own URL for it, but didn't even know how to get started, what to do. And then you mentioned doing this with the four of us. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is the chance, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, to be able to collaborate with the three of you has just been fantastic. And I'm just really looking forward to Um, seeing what we can come up with, with this whole idea. Awesome. Yeah, I I agree with everything that you said, for sure. How about you, Lisa? What is your, what is your thought about doing this podcast? Yeah, it's, um, I think when you suggested it, I I got so excited because I was like, oh, that's so much fun. And it's also such a really great opportunity to Um, talk to a huge, hopefully, group of people um, about our recovery journeys, which are so different, all of us, um, and also really empowering, I think, really uplifting. I think a lot of us came at sobriety from many different angles. um, And I think that's that's what's so amazing about this group is that we're not only from different parts of the world, we all have different stories and and addiction is is a spectrum, you know, so um, 
you can be many different many different spots along that spectrum and uh basically uh, we are in this group and i think it's exciting because we get to show people how there are many different ways to approach sobriety um but we've all kind of come out uh in the same well through talking to one another we realize that we've come to the same conclusion that it is so much better than it was before. Um, and that's why I'm excited as we get to share that message with everybody, um, explain why it's why it's better, um, but also talk about sort of the not so fun parts about getting there and being real. Uh, and that's one thing that I think we can all do. We're all very genuine, authentic women here. And, um, you know, we're willing to share all of the ups and downs um, and just what life is like on the other side. So I'm excited to be here. That's my why. When when it was suggested, when Heather suggested it, I thought, amazing. This is fantastic. We can reach so many people. And uh, that is why I am here. Excellent. I like that a lot. How about you, Meredith? <laughs> um. I mean, I would probably reiterate everything that everyone has said. I think my biggest why was when I was sober curious or throwing around, or throwing around the idea of becoming sober, it seemed like such a daunting task to even remotely consider that if I would have had a resource or someone to listen to, to really help me break that internal stigma, which is across probably the entire world. Um, I genuinely think that that could have helped me. Um, that could have helped me along my way. So for me, breaking the stigma is huge. <clears throat> um, and I'm a huge believer that my pain and my suffering can actually be for the better. Um, and whether that's helping someone make that decision to become sober or the how to's. And just like Lisa said, I mean, my sober journey is beautiful, but it's so messy at the same time. And it's just like having kids, like no one preps you for the really bad things and the really hard things. And so to be completely open and honest and vulnerable, talking about situations that were really hard, like losing friends when I became sober or intimacy, the minute I became sober, there's so many things that I think can be an aha moment for people. And if I can have any um, hand in anyone choosing to become sober, like that is to me worth every minute of doing a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And I love podcasts. I think that's the new uh, way to reach people. Um, and with the sober curious uh, movement that's starting to happen, um, I just think it's going to be a great resource for people. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying about when you first started to get you were sober curious, I had a similar experience. My only uh, frame of reference or what I thought was out there was AA. And, and I do go to AA. That is part of my sober journey. However, at the time, this idea of rock bottom or, um, total abstinence or, um, you know, having to go into a room and talk in front of a bunch of strangers about my deepest, darkest secrets 
were the things that kept me from getting sober. Those were the excuses mm-hmm. that I used, which that's my journey. And you can't get sober unless you're ready. Right. So I know that I maybe wasn't ready at that time. However, if there was someone or some resource, I like that, what you said, Meredith, that said, you know what, you don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to say, I'm never going to drink again. You don't have to um, do this completely exposed. There are other options. Then I might've gone down that path in a different way and much sooner. Um, And so for me, I'm seeing people coming into the rooms that are much, much younger than I saw when I went into the rooms. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And if, if something I say or, or something we do, a project that we could put together can bring someone to um, changing the relationship with alcohol as they determine um, sooner, it, it would be amazing. You know, there, like, there was a lot of pain that led up to me mm-hmm. deciding to get sober and it would be wonderful if maybe the next person doesn't have to go through that much pain, you know, or whatever it is. Like, I wish I would have gotten sober sooner and I knew mm-hmm. about it and I didn't because of all of those lim- And I didn't know anybody that was sober. Mm-hmm. This wasn't being discussed when I started to mm-hmm. think about it about nine years ago is when I really started to think about it. And there weren't podcasts to throw on and listen to women who are living happy lives that are successful and, and are loving their lives and doing it alcohol free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think just what you said, the, the fact like your pain, how cool is that, that now your pain that you've probably come to terms with that you're able to talk about without being triggered or, you know, mm-hmm. all that can literally that little segment could be something where like, Oh my God, that is exactly me. Like this has the potential to help people beyond anything. I think that we could have ever imagined. And maybe that's just me being really, um, forward thinking, but at the end of the day, I I mean, I probably would have come to sobriety sooner if I'd been like, okay, I'm not the only one or, I, I mean, I had so much shame that I even labeled myself as that. I'm like, I would always justify it. I'm not, I'm not addicted. Like my mom was mm-hmm. and her and I's drinking are, are totally different. Like I justified every little thing, but if I would have heard someone else with my same similar story, mm-hmm. I would have been like, oh my God, I, I mean, I'm, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time that I tell my story, um, I mean, I told it we had to get baptized in our church. You actually have to do this huge video um, on why you're getting baptized. And for me, religion, not religion, God is a huge cornerstone in my um, sobriety. And I I had to openly talk about this to my church congregation, the whole nine, but that was, I, I got messages from people who I didn't even know that were like, Oh my gosh, your story. And so that was when I kept telling myself, I'm like, I know that I can use my story to help people. I just don't know how to deliver it. And Heather, I think that's what I told you when you had brought this up. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is exactly it. Cause I don't, I don't think just me talking on a podcast 
you know, would have near the depth as four women, completely different backgrounds, completely different recovery, completely different timeframes. I mean, that's huge in itself. Yes. That's, that's absolutely huge, Meredith. Um, I, I can't agree more. And that was where, you know, where you spoke up at, at church and um, they did a spotlight for me at here at, at my company. And there were more people that came out of the woodwork that were doing the, the Me Too and the size of thankfulness and relief that I heard from people saying, you're speaking my language. And mm -hmm. it's those types of things that get that inferno burning that you need to get that message out. And it's not for us. It's for everybody else that we know is suffering. And, mm -hmm. you know, what can we do because of our journeys to help these other people? And I think that's the biggest thing. And, and you know, like you said, and, and Heather said, with, with this podcast, it reaches so many people um, and, and it's an excellent way to do it and having the different uh, mindsets and, and um, opinions mm -hmm. and things is just, it's gonna be, you know, a, a great experience. I agree, I agree, Dana. It's, you know, I always tell people my, uh, I've been sober for a year and a half, um, but my recovery journey started eight years ago you know, and it took a long time and it was messy. And I tried a bunch of different things and I kind of wiggled my way through it. But I realized now that I look back on it, in retrospect, that was part of the process, sort of sampling the buffet of all the different ways that you can um, enjoy this lifestyle. And the fact that you can hear stories from other people, there's such connection and sharing stories um, and hearing from other people that, yeah, the me too, you know, hey, I've been there. Um, there's some things that you're saying that I understand some maybe I, I don't, but you know, there, there's some that I'm like, you're, you're peaking curiosity here. Um, when I when I started sharing my story on social media, and talking to people, I was amazed as well at how many people came out and said, wow, I've been and then they would then divulge their own story um a lot of personal information which was great and um maybe for the first time they'd ever shared that with anybody and in fact i heard that a few times never told anyone this but <laughs> and uh and it was wonderful and there was such connection and um that's also what i'm hoping for this podcast people will reach out and it'll spur the conversation as you said Mer meredith break that stigma there's just mm -hmm. this ridiculous stigma around it. Um, alcohol is an addictive substance. It's it's just what it is. And the fact that you have a an issue with it is not um, anything to be ashamed of at all. Mm -mm. Um, so tearing down those walls and breaking that stigma is a big part of my why. Mm -hmm. yeah. People have to be a badass to be able to get themselves sober and in recovery. Yeah. It is not an easy journey and it, it's true. You are a you're a badass once you get to this other side. I mean, just to, to have the fortitude to know that you want to better yourself. Yep, it's true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And all the things that you're describing are what have made 12 step recovery, which is one aspect of it so uh, incredibly powerful. You know, the connection to other people, hearing other people's stories, um, 
having that shame that you feel, having someone else share that same story and say, I felt so much shame about this, it's transformative. Um, and having people that are in different levels, just recovering 20 years, you know, to hear their different um, stories and to see what it looks like, right? To be reminded of what it looks like when you first started. You can feel that energy when you're with somebody who is newly sober. Uh, I never want to go back to that. That's a great reminder of why I work on my sobriety and my recovery every single day. And then I see someone else that has 20 years and they're happy and they have like really calm, normal lives and they enjoy it and they laugh out loud. I'm like, that's, that's why I'm doing this. I want to keep working for that. We're taking the meeting outside of the room. That's mm -hmm. what I feel like this is. It's, it's this same concept because there's a lot of people that are turned off by 12 step recovery. Right. And that's the, you know, so we're going to have this opportunity to show all these different things that work for us and things we find and, and um, amazing recovery platforms that are just new as of like the pandemic that like mm -hmm. online recovery, when I first got sober, I lived in rural ass China. I couldn't get to a meeting. It was five hours away, you know? So I did everything online and that wasn't a normal everyday occurrence, right? Um, and now you can get on a meeting online or you can get recovery online in all these different, these different formats that if one thing doesn't appeal to you, something else will. Absolutely. And I think that's really kind of amazing. So many different methods. I agree. When I first decided I was done, um, but didn't know how to do it on my own and knew I needed help to do it. It was at the start of the pandemic and everything was shutting down. Um, I tried different methods before I tried going to different meetings and things like that. And I eventually landed on finding a recovery coach and here I am in Toronto and she was in uh, Las Vegas of all places. And we connected online and I worked with her for three months. And that was the main thing that got me to where I am today. In addition to the community support, the online support, um, friends and family, like there were, there are many other things, but that was the main thing that helped me get to where I am right now is, is a recovery coach actually. So many different and what's, and I love the fact that we're talking about all these different avenues. Cause I've never to this day, seven plus years into my sobriety journey, been to AA. And oh. so that's something for me that I, again, there's tons of different paths and I didn't go, not because I didn't want to, but mm -hmm. I knew that this was an internal thing that I needed to really focus on. And in the event I knew that I needed that kind of community and stuff like that. Like I knew that that was always a resource when my mom um, was going to AA prior to her passing. Um, she, I, I can't even tell you how many people told me to go to Al-Anon and, you know, get educated and all of that. And so I knew that there were different roads to recovery, but I honestly, not that I didn't, like I said, not that I didn't want to do AA, I've just never gone that route. Mm -hmm. um, mine has been more of a spiritual connection um, and something that I cling tightly to almost every day. 
but I, I genuinely love the fact that it's not a one size fits all. If you decide to quit drinking, it can literally be a combination of whatever you throw at it. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever brings you there as well, it, it's, um, in, in my opinion, it's not necessarily how much you're drinking or whether you consider yourself this or that, or put a label on it. It's how does drinking make you feel bottom line, like deep down inside, how does it, what emotions does it bring out in you? Um, I have friends who have said to me, um, I, I don't like how much I'm drinking. Uh, you know, they only have a couple drinks here and there, um, maybe at parties throughout a month. So like the average person wouldn't think they have an issue with it, but they have an issue with it. Mm-hmm. So they, they almost feel like they're not justified in going to seek help, but yeah. you are fully justified whether you're, you think technically you, you are labeled as something or not. It doesn't even matter. It's just how does drinking make you feel? How does alcohol make you feel? Or any substance for that matter. Any substance. Yeah. And I, yeah. I remember my mom had a friend who, um, well, it was her sponsor. And through just meeting people in AA, like I would literally hear people say, oh, you don't drink it. You don't drink that much, you know? And it goes back to, it genuinely made them feel like there was a huge issue, even if it was two glasses of wine a night, they did not like how they felt. And I feel like a lot of people got squandered and they're like, oh, maybe I don't have a drinking problem. And they would just continue doing it until one day it is a huge problem. And, you know, they're in treatment centers, their kids, I mean, worst of the worst um, could be happening. And so I, I really want to echo that. Like, it mm-hmm. does not matter if you think two drinks a night is bad or not, if it genuinely makes you feel like you're concerned on any level, um, totally justified. And you don't need to hit what, you know, the proverbial rock bottom in order to question your relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can be at at the beginning stages of going, Oh gee, I wonder, well, read a book. And this is what we're going to share in this podcast are all the different resources, all the different ways that we all came to where we are today. For me, it started with um, my curiosity started with reading books. Um, I, and then I read more quit lit and more and more and more. Like I got fascinated with it. I'm also um, fascinated with the science behind it and what alcohol was actually doing to my body. So I wanted to, you know, learn more about that. So, um, yeah, it just, and that's what we'll be sharing in this podcast is just all our different ways of how we started and what we did at first and what worked for us. Cause it is, it is a bit of a buffet at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I should have stopped. Well, the first time I was sober, I was 15. I knew the time, the first time I picked up alcohol, I, drank until I passed out. I have never had a a healthy, normal relationship with alcohol and trauma is a big part that fuels my story. And, um, I agree. I needed to fix what was inside me, which is one of the reasons why I think I let it go on for so long because I tried to fix those things. I went to therapy. I did these different things, but I never did it without substances in my life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
doing that and, and doing it sober is when I started to really start to resolve a lot of that. But until I made that decision, until I tried to blow my entire life up, I did, wasn't ready to do that. So for sure, I wish it would, <laughs> I wish it would have been something where I could have been um, figured this out a long time ago, but this is the path that I was on. And I went to rehab. That's how I went through the whole process. Um, and I think there's a lot of stigma around, I mean, there's a lot of stigma about sobriety and recovery. There's a lot of stigma about, I had to go to rehab, you know, um, it was the best thing that I ever could have done for myself. It really gave me an opportunity to step back and where I went had a trauma program. And that was the difference. It wasn't just a detox. It wasn't just about alcohol. I also got to get a jump start on working on my addressing the trauma that was fueling my really, really unhealthy relationship with alcohol, because it doesn't matter for me. I have a quick question on that. Yeah. Uh, did you personally say I need to go to a recovery center? Or was yeah. that the family being like intervention style? No, I personally said, so I'm, you know, you guys, you guys know this, but not everybody knows. I'm a therapist and my background, um, I'm very familiar with treatment and all of those things. I avoided them as much as I could and stayed away from it. But what I understood in my experience about treatment was inpatient psych. And so I knew I was not that. I knew that I didn't belong in a facility like that. And someone that I knew who was in the sober community, um, and I, you know, we'll talk about this all with our stories, but I really believe in that divine intervention and a higher power. And this person was literally moved above me in our apartment complex when I was at my kind of most unhealthy self. And this person went to, um, to a treatment facility in Thailand. And when they came back, um, they talked about art therapy. They talked about trauma work. They talked about Reiki. They talked about meditation and yoga. And that was how I could see myself healing. That was something that I could um, try. You know, I, there's all kinds of treatment programs. There, some people need, you know, very strict, regimented. That wasn't going to work for me. Um, I needed to heal, and so this was a place that I felt so. So I, I uh, made a decision that I needed to go to treatment, and um, yeah, and and I'll, I'll share a lot more of that story when we we talk about our when we share our stories. Um, yeah, but that was, I didn't have to have, I didn't have an intervention. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's also something that's a little stigmatized too, is mm -hmm. you know, for my mom example, there were family interventions where my mom as an addict was just not there. She was not willing to go through it and all those things. And then there's situations where same kind of intervention can happen. It can save someone's life. You know, and so I feel like the stigma of, of interventions and rehab is again, huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom's 
<clears throat> addiction was my first glimpse as, as to what addiction was. And I always had that. Um, I don't understand why you can't consciously see what's happening to your life and just stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so my huge passion with addiction is actually like the neuroscience behind what actually happens to someone's brain um, when they are an addict. And it was mind boggling to me. And it still is. I constantly am going through and doing research and reading as much as I can behind that, because I genuinely feel like if I would have known mm-hmm. the things that I know now, when my mom was wanting or trying to go through recovery, it would have completely altered the way that I supported her in recovery because it was an actual neuron thing. Like her brain was just not functioning properly. And, you know, not only like Lisa said, not only just the brain, but your entire body. Um, and so that's what I have just dove into head first is really understanding because I genuinely feel that if people can understand where addicts are on a neurological level, the support for them is going to be totally different. Um, And that's one of my biggest things is to help people who are that supporting person of like, I just, I can't understand why my sister can't stop or um, anything along those lines. Um, Cause that to me is just, it's fascinating. So Dana, where did, how did you arrive at sobriety? I mean, I know we'll talk about our stories later, but yeah. Um, it, it, it was a long time coming, you know, I, I, I went through some trauma. Um, I, I was never a drinker my whole life. I think I got roaring drunk when I was 15, um, you know, passed out in the toilet as I was throwing up and somebody yanked me out and didn't drink until again, until I was, I think 40, <laughs> um, I could count on, you know, one hand, how many times I had drank in the previous years of that and had always gotten sick. Um, Mm -hmm. but went through kind of what was like a double breakup in 2010, 2011 with a manager who was, um, very tough and a narcissistic relationship that I was in. Um, and I spiraled and I spiraled Mm -hmm. quickly, um, Mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, for the past three years was trying to get sober, was trying to stop, um, you know, many, many day ones. And, um, it was during the pandemic. It was last year. I'm, I'm just a little bit over a year sober at this point and, and in recovery. Um, it was the proverbial rock bottom for me. <laughs> um, and I'll tell this in, in my story too, but it's, it's kind of a cringe worthy moment for me that my rock bottom was, um, I ate, I ate a chicken cheesesteak. <laughs> um, I am a master vegan lifestyle educator and coach. <laughs> I have been vegan for four and a half years. Um, the the moral and ethical and soul crushing incident <laughs> was about a week before I quit drinking for good. Um, so while it's, it's kind of funny on the surface, um, it hits me on a level that is just so awful to me that um i feel like i've betrayed so many people and so much of myself um that that leaped me into sobriety real quick Mm -hmm. um and the 12 steps wasn't for me 
Um, and I applaud anybody who's in that program because I think it's helped a lot of people. Um, but I found that being a coach, I did kind of what Lisa did and I found the, re the recovery coaching certification program and that's really what propelled me into this whole thing um, and staying sober and, and understanding the difference between sober and recovery. Mm. And, you know, there's, cause there's that huge difference. Um, they work hand in hand, but it's also, you can be a sober drunk as they say, and, and those types of things. So, um, I feel that I'm truly in recovery and there's a book, alcohol is shit, I think it's called. And, um, you know, they don't like to use the word recovery. It's more along the lines of recovering the person that you're meant to be. And mm -hmm. I really, that really speaks to me because I feel like I am now the person I am meant to be. And I still am uncovering who that person is and uncovering the trauma and not being numb anymore. So that's kind of where my story comes from. Also, you know, drinking on zoom calls at three o'clock in the afternoon probably wasn't a great thing either. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about like how alcohol makes us feel, but for me, it was how alcohol made me behave, Yeah, you know, too. and that if there were no consequences for what I was doing, I, I don't know that there would have been a reason to stop, but my consequences continued to get bigger and bigger. And yeah. I always had that, well, I haven't been involved with the law yeah. and I haven't lost a job and I haven't done this. But that doesn't mean that everything was really fantastic. And this is right. why I think, you know, this rock bottom concept, which we've talked a little bit about, is very easy to kind of give yourself that out. Because I can say, look, I didn't do any of these things. This is all totally cool. But it, nothing about it was totally cool. And for some, you know, you're mentioning, you know, about eating meat as a vegan, it's compromising our morals and our yes. standards and doing things that are totally out of characteristic because we are under the influence of something that is changing us. Um, and why we are doing that is a very variety of reasons we've talked about. For me, it was trauma, you know, like we've all kind of, and I think we'll, I think a lot of our stories have similar um, backgrounds in that respect, which is probably why we all gel as women. But, you know, everyone's got their, their why in terms of why they pick up and why they, they drink. Um, and it's going to be amazing to kind of uncover all of these things. We hope to have guests. We hope to um, tackle topics that are messy and um, vulnerable and um, uncomfortable at times. Um, but I don't know if I ever shared this with you guys, Meredith, you put together the group, the four of us, when we were all doing our recovery coaching skills class, you sent out an email, we were the ones that responded, we all kind of started to get together on a weekly basis and get to know one another. And, and something happened where I kept hearing four sober chicks. It just was just something that would play over my head. Um, and again, I do believe in signs. I believe in, you know, that the universe is greater. We had these four of us that came together. We had very complementary personalities and very um, similar approaches, positive approaches to recovery. And um, that just kept coming through my head. So 
I am the conduit, but I can't say that it came from me. I feel like this was just meant to be. So um, I'm really excited about this journey. I'm really excited about going along this with all of you. Uh, We've never met in real life. So, you know, we don't know what we look like with legs, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I consider all of you guys sisters in the sober sisterhood for sure. So I'm really excited about this. Any final words for this episode? I'm excited. I'm excited. (laughs) Ditto. And I think it's really important that even if you're not a chick, Mm -hmm. this could actually be super beneficial. It's like in our intro, even if you support someone who potentially could benefit from something like this, I think it's really important to know that this is not just for women. A hundred percent. I could not be the sober woman that I am without the support of my partner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is the supportive partner that he is because he received education and he learned about the disease of alcoholism and he learned about treatment. And so I think, yes, family member, partner, best mm-hmm. friend, whatever it is, um, you know, by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Yeah. All right. This is the end of our first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies. Well, we're signing off. We'll see you all very soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number 4SoberChicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.